Well, good morning. Good morning. My name is Ken, and I am so glad everybody's here. It's good to be seeing everybody's faces again. No plexiglass, no masks in the way. It is wonderful. And if you're watching us online, I'm glad to be with you as well today because you all matter to God. And because you matter to God, you matter to me. And I, and I want you to know, it doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor or whether you're black or white or brown or whether you're female or, or male or you're gay or you're straight or you're something else. This is a place where you're going to be loved. And this is a place where you can serve others. We're in a series called Being the Church. And, and the church is supposed to be a community of people who love each other, but who also are different from one another in our gifting and, and what we do and, and, and what we're interested in. See, our God loves diversity. He loves diversity in his people. He, he created us this way. And at Crosswinds, one of our cultures that we're desiring to have is this, uh, a healthy community. We, we seek to be a people who are honest about our strengths and our weaknesses, and we seek to excel in the gifts grace to each of us. We celebrate the diversity of gifts that complement us and lead us to a healthy, growing church family. You know, today, many people think of the church as just an institution, but it as our statement and as the Bible speaks about, the church is actually a family. That's really what the Bible says. You know, last week we talked about duplication or replication of disciples to, to grow God's kingdom. And, and families grow when they're healthy. When, when a husband and wife who love each other are healthy, they, they start to produce children. And, and when that family is healthy, those children are trained in love, and they will produce new and healthy families. And that's God's design for things. Churches. Being healthy as a community and as a community means focusing our attention on all the cultures that we've been talking about in this series. Being encouraging to one another. Being in unity in one, with one another. Being honest in our communication. Being innovative in how we do worship. Jason did a great job with the lighting this week, didn't he? I thought it was awesome. Um, uh, be multiplying, you know, making new disciples. For us to be a healthy community, we each need to take on the responsibility of being healthy as individuals. And, and how we relate to one another in a family. You know, we often think of institutions as places that serve us. But in families, we are to serve one another, aren't we? The, the basis of why we serve one another in a family is an attitude of love. You know, Romans 12, 9 through 12 describes healthy communities or healthy families as love. It says this in verse 9, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. Love one another with a brotherly affection. Outdo one another, showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. It first says, let love be genuine. That means not full of holes. You know, in biblical times, a clay vessel was considered genuine. That's what that word meant. If it didn't have cracks or it didn't have leaks in it, the, the world should not see leaks in our love for one another. 
they, they, they should see true love for one another. That we shouldn't be saying one thing and then doing another. We are to hate evil, which means that we are to honestly deal with our sin. Sin breaks down a community. So when there's sin in love, we need to honestly deal with it and not hide from it. In communities where sin is hidden from, it, it breaks down the community. There's churches that are, are breaking down because they're not dealing with the sin that's there. Uh, the, the, the kind of love that the apostle Paul says we are to have is like a family. He says, brotherly affection. You have to love your family. Honestly, you don't always have to like them. But you got to love them, right? You're connected to them. They're family. Love is a choice, friends. It's not a feeling. You don't have to like me. Like is a feeling based on circumstances and and feelings change because of those circumstances but you know what god's word says you gotta love me if you're part of my family love is your choice to place value on me and your other brothers and sisters because they are god's children too you know i'm an only child so i did not have brothers and sisters growing up but i have seen that sometimes brothers and sisters seem to like one brother or sister better than the other. They like to hang out with them more. They, they might have more common interests and more compatible personality styles. They, they might just naturally hang out more. But when a family member has a need or, or there's work to do because of love, they all show up for one another, right? That's what a healthy family does. Sometimes brothers and sisters, though, compete for attention and affection. But in God's family, Paul says, instead, we are to outdo one another in showing honor. Often in our competition for attention, we devalue one another. Um, But in a healthy community where we celebrate each other, we give value to each other. The word honor in the Greek means to value something by which the price is already fixed. That means in healthy community, you are honored or valued for who God made you to be a child made in his image, not based on what you do, but who God made you to be. In healthy community, everybody's um, family value is already fixed here. Everyone here is of infinite worth because an infinite price has already been paid in Jesus to make them family. And because of the value Jesus has paid, we give everyone, no matter how old they are, what role they have, what sex they are, what intelligence they have, what economic status. We give everybody the same honor. We are to treat every human being with honor because they are made in God's image. But scripture says that we are to treat one another in the church, in this community, even better. Galatians 6.10 says, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially those who are in the household of faith. And and we don't just honor each other with thoughts and words. The scripture says we are to serve one another. Romans 12 continues by saying, Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. And contribute to the needs of the saint. And seek to show hospitality. We can't be apathetic or lazy about our service to one another and have a healthy community. Paul says we're not 
to be like a sloth, a very slow animal in serving one another. Like, oh, get up and help somebody. Oh, Chase is working hard at hospital. I, I might get there and help. We, we can't be like that. We, 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 we need to be um, energetic with a, a red-hot excitement to help one another. Why? Because our service to one another is actually service for the Lord. That's what Paul is saying. Honestly, there may be times I, I, I don't like you. So my motivation to serve does not come about how I feel about you. Instead, it, it's about how I feel about the Lord. That's, that's why I serve. I, the, the, the way I serve him is to serve you. That's how I serve the Lord. See, I can't visit God right now, but I can visit you. I can't hug God's neck, but I can hug yours. I can't make a meal for God, but I can make one for you. God doesn't need me to meet his needs, but I can meet yours. Jesus said the things we do for him, we do, or the things we do for each other, we do for him. Jesus even tells us um, that we can tell who a family is in Matthew 25. Our, Our service for one another indicates who the true sheep are and the ones, those true sheep who are separated out to receive eternal life and who the goats are. He said this, for I was hungry and you gave me food and I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me and I was naked and you clothed me and I was sick and you visited me and I was in prison and you came to me. And then the righteous, the sheep will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? thirsty and give you a drink? And when do we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And, and when do we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly, I say to you, as you did for one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. See, that verse speaks about how we treat our family, the family of God, family of humanity. Paul says, we rejoice in hope, believing the best about them, not the worst. He says, we are to be patient with each other in trouble. You know, sin causes trouble. And and all of our sin causes trouble. It makes us selfish. And sometimes we neglect each other. We neglect our duty to our other family members. And we neglect being kind. But in in a healthy family, we are called to be Patient. You ever notice two-year-olds are a little more selfish? Because their maturity, they, they can't contribute as much to help out the family as a, as a 20-year-old is able to. See, patience is required to allow time for our little brothers and sisters to grow up in the faith and, and learn to serve. But also, like an earthly family, a 20-year-old acting like a two-year-old is not very healthy for that family, is it? We each have to, we have an obligation to grow up and and, and take on the responsibility for the care of this place and for this family. Paul says it's first duty to be constant in prayer for the the mission of the family. Brothers and sisters, are are you doing your father's harvest? Do you you ever attend our, our, our prayer meetings to pray 
for this church and our, our leaders? Are, are you praying with me right now as, or, or for me as I preach that I, that I might be effective through the Holy Spirit? Are you thinking of the church just institutionally, what it can do for you? Are, are you thinking of me institutionally as your pastor, what I can do for you? Or you think of me as a brother, a fellow worker who, who needs your prayer. See, I can't grow the church by myself. The parable of the sower, Jesus told, says that, that, that God is the one that gives the increase. I just sow. If you expect me, your brother, to do it all by myself, is, is that loving and honoring me as your brother, as one of the least of these? Do you treat other leaders here like that? Brother Nigel, our prayer leader, is it his job to pray for everybody? How, how about our sisters, Marcy and Tracy, our hospitality leaders? Is it their job to clean up after everybody and serve everybody? I don't think that would be healthy in a family. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that would be healthy at all um, for a community. Romans 12 says that we are all to contribute to the needs of the saints. The Bible says all who are, are saved by Jesus are saints, not just super Christians. Anybody that was a believer in the, the New Testament was called a saint. And, and there are some saints whose needs are being cared for right now by um, Tracy Newberry or, or Michelle. I'm not sure who's back there with the, the kids. They're, 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 they're taking care of little saints back there. Uh, are you willing to help those ladies when they have a need? with those little saints, because those little saints are dear to God. At, at Crosswinds, we have a lot of teen saints. There's some teen saints over there and some teen saints over there. And, and we're going to have a pizza and movie night next Saturday. Would you be willing to come and chaperone those saints and serve them some pizza if that's needed? There, there, there are some tired saints back there in our AV department. Many who have served fervently of the Spirit through our pandemic with very few weeks break, would you be willing to serve a week or two to give them a break? In the app, there's a place to contact us and let us know that you're willing to help out in the family. Just a little form you can fill out. Say, I can give an hour a week or whatever. We all contribute to the needs of the family. Paul says, seek to show hospitality. That, that word hospitality literally means love for strangers. That's what it means. That's our mission of our First Impressions team and our hospitality team and our digital ambassador team. They lovingly serve each week, meeting the needs of the saints and the strangers that walk in our door, welcoming all to the family dinner, the hearing of God's word, where family is encouraged and guests are adopted into the family of God. Beloved, in a healthy community, Paul says we are all on the hospitality team. If a guest comes to your house, don't, don't you expect your children to greet them and, and, and make them feel special and welcomed? Don't, don't you try to meet your guest needs first? In my family, there was an unwritten rule called FHB. Anybody else have that rule? FHB, family hold back. When we had guests, we gave them the best seats. We, we gave them the biggest portions and, and we gave them first attention. We met their needs first. Family, is that your attitude here? Do you love strangers or are your needs first priority? As a healthy community, culture is loving 
and putting the needs of others above our own, trusting that Jesus will take care of us as well. He said so. He says the last will be first and the first last. In in a family, some people are going to be better at certain things than others. My wife is a much better cook than I am. But but I can follow her directions and cut up things for her. And, and I can set up tables. And, and I can clean a floor. And I can take out the garbage before company comes. And, and you know what? She feels loved when I do so. And you know what? Company feels more loved when I contribute because my wife is less stressed. My, my point is, in a family, there are different roles. And sometimes... Um, working together to help the whole mission, because the mission is the same as we do those different roles. We're all trying to feed the family, aren't we? She has a different role than I do, but we work together to feed the guests and the family. In a health community, we have different roles. We have different strengths, but our mission is the same. We all have the same gospel call. Jesus has called us to be his witnesses. Not to become his witnesses, to be his witnesses. Jesus says we must all go and make disciples. Now, we all function in doing that in different ways and in different strengths. In a healthy community, to live in family love, we need to understand that we have different roles, different gifts, and different functions. We each have different strengths given to us by God to execute our calling. Pastors and other church leaders are not the only ones called to ministry. The scripture says that we are all called to ministers. Ephesians 4, um, 11 through 14 says this, and he gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we attain, uh, attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood and to the measure of stature and the fullness of Christ. That verse is saying there are different types of leaders in the church, different roles to help equip the saints. And it also saying all believers work in ministry. Everybody is called to be a minister. We say that pastors are administers and other leaders are administers and people are all ministers. They all do the ministry of the church. In a healthy community, we celebrate the diversity of the roles and the gifts of the body, recognizing that they all collaborate together towards the same goal to build up the body. See, my calling is no greater than any of yours as a pastor. It's just different. It's just different. We are each called to gospel ministry. You can't expect me to do all the work of ministry here because we're all called by God to do it in a healthy community that they can fulfill their call by God in ministry. Now, the Apostle Paul says there are diverse ways in which we do that. First Corinthians 12, four through seven says this. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. There are a variety of services, but the same Lord. There are a variety of activities, but the same God who empowers them all. To each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So first, Paul is saying there are a variety of gifts. Now, gifts are not callings. We are all called to pray for one another. That's a calling. We are all called to share the gospel. 
We are all called to serve one another in love. We are all called to build each other up through encouragement. Gifts are special ways we contribute to the needs of the body so we can fulfill God's call. All believers are given spiritual gifts. These gifts are gracious endowments that lead to miraculous results because of the influence of the Holy Spirit. If, and we all have them. If you're not sure, I, I put a link um, and the program on the app that you can do a, an evaluation, kind of get some discovery about what, what your gifts may be. Now, I, I want to give an example. We're all called to sing to God, and I make a joyful noise. I've been kicked off the praise team twice here. Because God has given us people like Annika and Jeremy and Emil, who I, I, I believe God has graced with a spiritual gift of music. The Holy Spirit uses them and some others here to communicate the message of the gospel by the way they sing and how they write songs. God has graced some with the Holy Spirit in special ways to build us up through music. I, I'm sure with practice I can improve my singing. But music is not what God has graced me to do. God has graced me with other gifts to help this body. In a healthy community, we need to be honest with ourselves. Some people were honest with me and told me not to sing, but we need to be honest with ourselves and, and, and do, if not, we could become jealous or competitive with one another because of what we want to do. I had to like say, okay, I'm not going to sing. Instead, our gifts are meant to complement one another, right? I, I can run a good soundboard. So I compliment the praise team when they sing. Also, there's, there's no reason to be prideful about our gifts because we had nothing to do with it. God's given me an understanding of technology. I've never been trained in it. God gave that to me. God has given gifts to us to build up his body. Abilities can be developed, but gifts are given to us to meet a need. Um, God has used my gift of technology to support the work of his gospel in many ways. I've never been trained in it. And yet I know people that are trained in it that call me for answers. It's a gift. We often think of musicians or actors or speakers as, as being those who are gifted because of the public nature of how they are expressed. But there are many spiritual gifts that God graces his people that enhance gospel work of the body that, that are, are not as public. Some of you may be gifted with managing money or, or making money, and that gift can support the work of the gospel. Some of you are, are gifted in administration and organization, and, and you need arts and building and with crafts. Marcy and Simon and Tracy did a great job designing our hospitality area. You know, Emil and, 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 and Jeremy did some decorating with our stage building stuff. They, they have some gifts in, in that area. Natasha and Jason have been blessing us this morning with visuals to enhance our worship. Those are some creative gifts that, that God has given them. Um, you know, the gifts are listed in various places um, in the scriptures, but I don't believe they're exhaustive. The Holy Spirit can give abilities to his people. Facebook, I'm an old man. That's all I get. So some of you younger people, God may have graced you to understand that. Gifts are, but the church needs that. Gifts are often discovered as we give ourselves to serve God. When, when you recognize a need in the body and you step forward and say, hey, I'll be a solution. Paul says gifts come from the same Holy Spirit for the purpose of building up Jesus and his gospel in the world. 
The Holy Spirit never casts light on himself. The Holy Spirit always illuminates or lights up Jesus. And your gifts, if they're true spiritual gifts, will do the same. And, and friends, one gift is not greater than the others. They all magnify the great one. So singing is not greater than administration because they all magnify the great one. All gifts work together for the same purpose. Paul also says there are diverse ways to serve with your gifts. You can serve in ways that support the teaching of the word. You can serve in ways that support the presentation of the word through the creative arts. You can serve in administrative and technological ways that support the organization and the presenting of the word through song, teaching, and preaching. You can serve in ways that meet the physical needs of the body, and and administration is handy there too. You can serve in ways that meet the emotional needs of the body. In a healthy community, there is great diversity in the way we all can serve one another. And no service, again, is more important than another. Diapering a baby in the nursery is no less important than playing on the worship team or preaching a sermon. We all have the same Lord, and we are doing what we do for his glory. We have different roles that collaborate together for a common purpose. A baby being diapered and cared for helps that mommy and daddy relax so they can hear the gospel. That baby learns that God's church is a place of love where they are cared for. And the parents hear the gospel and they learn to love each other and love that child more and that community becomes more blessed. Our our service is never in competition. It's always in collaboration. When the praise team sings, they are preparing hearts to receive the message that I'm preaching. The first impression team and the hospitality team help people hear the word by making people feel comfortable in this place when I offend them. Because the gospel is offensive. It offends our pride. And so we need everybody to love on everybody to help them through that offense of hearing about their sin and their need to repent. The AV team is working hard to remove distractions and enhance hearing and seeing so that the communication of the word and the song gets out there both here and to the world. Right now it's going to Africa and to England. Paul says, we have different types of service, but all these glorify one Lord. And we need to be careful not to give too much glory to those who sing or speak or covet those gifts. That's unhealthy. It's healthier to celebrate the Lord through many types of service that we all offer to him through our gifts and our abilities. Romans 12 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Everything we do here is an obedience to God is spiritual worship. Setting up the baptistry is worship, deacons. Teaching children is worship. Picking up trash around here is worship. Cleaning the coffee pots, Barry, is worship. Um, greeting guests here is worship. Having gospel conversations is worship. Managing our finances and giving an offering is worship. Did you guys come to worship today? <laughs> um, you can do more than just sing a song and listen to a message to worship. Everyone serving today is on 
the worship team. You are. Being the church is being a team of worshipers. Worship fundamentally means to obey God. Paul says there is a diversity of activities. At Crosswinds, we have youth events, we have life groups, we have outreach events, mission activities, women's events, men's events, children's events, training events. All are important because they the same God empowers them all to build up his people. Each activity is really about everyone. As one part of the body gets built up, it, it, it makes the rest of the body healthier. Um, by the way, I need some guys to help me um, on the 12th, I think it is, for the meal at the women's conference. That way the women can learn from our gifted teacher, Rena, because um, this conference is not just about the women, it's about having stronger wives, mothers, and daughters, and female leaders for this church, and that builds up our whole community for the sake of the gospel for all of us. So if I have some men that'll come and help me serve a meal and maybe do some tech so that they aren't distracted, that would be helpful. We're a team. You see, my wife and I no longer have children at home, but we both serve, and I serve in children, or in youth, and she serves in children's ministry because your children are part of my family. And our body, and when they're strong, we're all strong together. Beloved, we don't just serve when it'll benefit us directly. We serve where the body needs strengthening. Paul says our gifts are shown or manifested in us for the common good. If you hide your gift away and only use them for your own benefit, then, then, and then your family is cheated. It's weakened. Paul, Paul uses the illustration of a body to describe a healthy community, to show different gifts work together for the sake of the whole. In your body, what is more important, your hands or your feet? Both, right? What's more important, your mouth or your ear? Well, Jesus says your ears. He who has ears, let him hear. But we need mouths to speak the gospel because faith comes through hearing the word of God, doesn't it? What's more important, the liver or your eyes? <laughs> yeah, liver. <laughs> no one ever sees a liver. I've never seen my liver. Have you? Anybody seen their liver? But if you don't have one, you're going to die. The liver is critical to my health, even though I've never seen it. My eyes are pretty. They do provide direction. But I can live without one. Or two. Kind of like a preacher and a praise team leader. People make a big deal about them in modern churches, but they may be less critical to the life of the body as other parts are. You're important is what I'm trying to say. Whatever your service is, it's not that we're not important, but there are parts that are never seen here that are critical to the function of the church. And nobody else can do what you do the same way. Your gifts are given as a benefit to us all. And your collaboration with the body may be unseen like a liver or a colon or a spleen, but you are critically important to our health. For us to have a healthy community, we each need to recognize our particular function, what God has made us for, and then use those gifts for everyone's benefit. Paul says this in Romans 12, 8 through 11. For to one is given through the spirit, the utterance of wisdom, and to another, the utterance of knowledge, and, and according to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another 
gifts of healing by one spirit and to another works of miracles and to another prophecy and to another abilities to distinguish between spirits and uh, another various kinds of tongues and to another interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individual as he wills. Now, if you have the gift of wisdom, God has put you in this family to help us not make errors in our decisions in important situations. And if you don't exercise that gift for us, we'll make some foolish decisions. Some of you have the gift to speak words from God or words of knowledge, and you need to share those with us so we hear God. But we also need those with wisdom to come up and help us apply those with knowledge. For just knowledge without wisdom is not productive. The gifts collaborate. Some of you have the gift of faith. We need faith to be saved. And so we all need faith. But some of us have been given a greater deal of faith, a greater measure of the Holy Spirit of faith or with the faith. And those people need to speak up and encourage us when we are all losing faith or we're becoming discouraged. We need you to help us see what the eyes of faith can only see so that our body can move forward when we need to. So some of you have the gift of healing. Now, that can be a very controversial one today. But the scripture says the Holy Spirit gives some the ability to pray and see others healed. And that brings faith and advances the spread of the gospel. I think why this is controversial is because healing is controlled by the will of God, not us. And it may not always be resident in a person. At times, the Holy Spirit comes upon some people in a special way that gives them the ability to heal. The Apostle Paul had this gift at times, but he could not cure Timothy and he could not remove his own thorn from his flesh. Healing was not about the amount of faith Paul had. He had a lot of faith. It was not about his will. It was about God's will. The the working of miracles is when the power of the Holy Spirit gives someone the ability to change the natural laws to make something happen. And God often works through natural processes. Uh, but sometimes he allows those processes to be bent by the Holy Spirit to accomplish his will. See, I don't believe either of those two gifts are mustered up or controlled by us at will. But there are times where God fills some with the Holy Spirit with an extra measure of his spirit to accomplish his will. Now, some people believe that these charismatic gifts ended with the apostles' ministry, but I believe that's false. That's a false interpretation of the scriptures. Most critics would say that gifts of knowledge, wisdom, and prophecy still exist. And they base their argument um, of that uh, and, and that the healing doesn't based on first Corinthians 13, that love never ends as for prophecies, they will pass and for tongues, they will cease and for knowledge, it will pass away for we know in part, we will prophesy in part, but, but that verse doesn't mention healing or miracles. It does mention things like prophecy, something that most would still see as a gift expressed today and prophecy done correctly reveals God's word to us. And I believe that so does healing and miracles if expressed correctly to edify Jesus in his gospel. But there can be false healers used by Satan and there are false prophets and their teachers used by Satan's. So the real question is whether the gift brings glory to God or glory to self or Satan. 
Many who claim to have charismatic gifts are seeking to build themselves up, but true gifts build up his gospel and his body. The, the, the gifts are only a part revelation of Christ. When he is free, fully revealed to us, they will not be needed. He is not fully revealed to many. So sometimes gifts of knowledge, teaching, wisdom, and healing and miracles are needed in situations to reveal him. And, and Jesus uses the diversity of gifts to reveal himself to the world. You know, one of the most important gifts Paul mentioned is the gift to discern between spirits. The demonic can imitate any of these gifts to fool the body. And, and, and we need that gift in the body. And if you have that gift, we need you. We need that in collaboration with all the other gifts to keep us from error. The, the real problem is, is not the gifts. It's when the gifts aren't working in collaboration. And when one gift is lifted up above all the others or celebrated above all the other gifts. Often the gift of tongues is treated that way. Often it is used without collaboration or without the discernment of the spirit. And that doesn't edify the body. And it, it confuses guests. God, God does give some the gift of a tongue, which is the ability to communicate with him beyond the limits of knowledge and understanding. Language is an agreement between two parties where it's agreed on that certain sounds represent certain objects or ideas. And there are some who pray in tongues and agree with God that the, as the Holy Spirit prays through them, that they may not understand what they are praying, kind of what Romans 8.26 speaks of. And some have this gift of praying in a heavenly language. Um, but as 1 Corinthians 14 would say, that gift does not edify the body unless there are some with the gift of discernment or knowledge that can interpret that language for the rest of the body. So the gift of tongues may have more of an important place in personal or private devotional life or worship than in the corporate life of the church or in its public meetings. Paul says all these gifts, though, are powered by one spirit. So if they're expressed correctly, they should not bring us any division. You can't covet or lift up any one of these gifts above all the others because God distributes them according to his will. That's what the scripture says, not ours. In a healthy community, we recognize and we celebrate the diversity of his gracious gifts to us, not lifting one above another, understanding that the collaboration together will accomplish his will. We started today's message with Paul's word saying, let love be genuine. And after talking about the diversity of gifts, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, I will show you a still more excellent way. And friends, that way is love. Jesus, the man, had many gifts, the full power of God in his fingertips all the time. But what is most important about him is not what he was gifted to do, but his love. Love gave him the patience to come down from heaven and to deal with ignorant creatures like me. Love made him kind to everyone, no matter how gifted in the world people thought they were. He did not envy those who had more in life than he did or boast that he had more than anybody else. 
Instead, he rejoiced in his father's love for him. Jesus did not keep record of people's wrongs. He didn't keep records of people's sins. But because of love, he offered them forgiveness. Jesus never insisted on his own way in life, but used what he had to accomplish his father's will, bearing the sins of his brothers and sisters upon a Roman cross. He set our joy before his own, and he endured that cross, despising the shame of it because of love. Love allowed him to not use his gifts to free himself, but to instead give up his life for us. And then after three days, three days in a borrowed tomb, Jesus showed us a more excellent way that love never ends. When he walked out of that tomb forever alive again. Friends, today, will you follow that more excellent way? Will you turn from your sin? Will you turn from selfishness and believe in him? And follow him in his ways and live a more excellent way of love. The only way to be healthy, eternally healthy, is to live in community with him and his people. Receive his love. Receive the grace of the gifts that he wants to share with you. And share them in love with your brothers and sisters. And live in healthy community with one another. Let us pray. Father, I thank you and I praise you for your kindness and mercy to us. I thank you for your church. I thank you that that we have a family, a family of people that love us and that we can love to show you how much we love you. Father, if if, if there's somebody here that feels disconnected, has not been adopted yet in their fam- into your family. Father, today, may they turn from their sin. May they turn to you, Jesus. Find forgiveness. Find everlasting life freely because you want to give it to them because you love them. You prove their love, your love for them. Father, they may not understand everything. Let them just trust you and turn and follow you. Follow your ways. Make you their Lord. Make you their Savior. Father, do a mighty work. Father, do a mighty work in this place. Convict our hearts of our sin and our selfishness. Convict our hearts of our need repent now an urgency Lord convict our hearts that you are coming back soon and there's no time to wait Father help us to love each other more each day as a community and let our community grow because this is a place where people are loved and accepted because of you thank you for what you're doing in this place in Jesus name I pray Amen.